be uh, able to come and uh, speak. It's a slightly weird experience, if I'm honest. Um, you know, coming uh, knowing that we're going to be joining with you. Um, it's you know been a real kind of interesting few months for us, but really feel the Lord has opened up the door for us to be joining with you in January. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, you know, and I'm sure it's going to be an exciting time. I'm sure it'll be difficult as well. Um, I'm sure that you know it will take some adjustments and you know uh, and uh, some learnings. But we just really trust that God's in it, uh, and that us coming is really part of God's plan for you know us as a church to really go forward. Um, and so I think this message actually is very significant, um, and I feel there's a kind of prophetic element because if you know it's the first message that I suppose I I am preaching. Uh, with kind of my thought of knowing that we're going to come and join you as kind of the leader. And I think it's really interesting that that is uh, on prayer uh, and the significance of prayer. And so I'd like us to start uh, by reading uh, from 1 Chronicles chapter 7, uh, verses um, 14 to 18. Uh, And I've actually just shoved it on the screen. Uh, And this passage is really, uh, it's the commissioning of the temple uh, and Solomon is, uh, has commissioned the temple, uh, or, and, and the Lord comes in and speaks to him. So it says, uh, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locust, uh, or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, And this is the verse you probably all know. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. And I've chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes will be there for all time. You know, and I think uh, as we step into the next few years together as a church, I think that prayer is absolutely fundamental. If we really want to see uh, lives being transformed in our communities, families which were broken being healed, if we want to make an impact with the gospel, then we will only do it through the power of prayer. And I think that's what we need this morning. And so I think it's a great subject to start with. And I I wanted to uh, just read this quote to you, which says, When the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did. For he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. Is that what we believe? Because it's what I believe. And that's why I think this message is so important because I just sense that God is wanting to draw us as a church over the next few years into a deeper place of prayer, into a place where our lives are shaped wholly by spending time with God, both in the secret place and together as a group, believing that that will cause us to do great and amazing things for the people that live in the homes around us. So... This morning, as I've structured uh, my message, I've focused on different truths of prayer. Uh, and I'm going to work through those. I've got six, six truths. don't know why there were six, just kind of ended up being six. Um, but I just would uh, like us to approach that, but with this heart and mind that, Lord, would you challenge me over my prayer life? Would you challenge me over the way I'm praying and whether I'm really spending enough time with you? 
So what's the first prayer, the first truth? The first truth is this, that prayer is like food. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, basically, if you don't do it, if you don't eat, right, you will die eventually. And if you do not pray, you will find that your spiritual life will lead to essentially, if you don't pray, you'll eventually spiritually die. Uh, but if you don't eat very much, you certainly won't be very healthy. Now, if I were to say to you, right, I don't know, let's pick on someone. Who am I going to pick on this morning? Terry, yeah? Terry, if I said to you, Terry, what did you have last Wednesday for dinner? All right? Unless you have a very structured routine, but knowing how that you might have, um, you know, you probably can't remember what you had for dinner last Wednesday, right? Now, unless it was a McDonald's, right, okay, it probably did you some good, okay, but you probably can't remember what it was you ate. And the thing about prayer is that prayer is absolutely fundamentally necessary to going on in our Christian life. And what happens if we find ourselves in a state of prayerlessness, we start to go down a spiral. And I want to just talk you through the spiral of prayerlessness. And the first is this, that our minds become well, where are we? Uh, our minds become more worldly. So you basically stop thinking like God. You don't notice that you do it, but you just do it a little bit. And slowly but surely, you start to think more like the world around you, which then leads to the next stage, which is where you start to feel alienated from God. I don't know if any of you have had this experience, but you start to feel like God is far away and God is distant. And then you start to kind of, this little thought comes into your mind, oh, it's a lot of effort to come to God. Do I really need to pray? I don't think I need to pray. I'm just going to be dead honest. I have these thoughts, right, okay, particularly when I don't pray very often. And so the more we don't pray, the more we feel alienated, right, <clears throat> so we don't have much to say about God. We haven't got, you know, we, we haven't spent much time with him, so, you know, we don't feel very strongly about his death or his resurrection. We don't feel very much about uh, anything, really, and so we find it harder and harder to pray because we've got less and less to say. Uh, and so then, and this is the key thing, and I don't know if anyone's ever been in this position, we develop an unwilling spirit, right? Anyone been in that situation? I almost have, I've got to this position several times, and I've been through several weeks where I've not really prayed. I actually get to the position where I'm like, I just don't want to pray, and I just don't care. I'm just going to get up this morning, I'm not even interested in praying, right? And I realise that in my heart I have developed an unwilling spirit of prayer, which leads, of course, to an inner life weakness, and I tell you, do you, know, do you want to know how you can tell whether your inner life is really strong or not? It's whether you are offended by what you watch on TV. That is a really, I'm not bothered about what you watch or what you don't watch on TV. And it's not a, you know, this is the list of things that you're allowed to watch or not allowed to watch. But if you can sit and regularly enjoy things that are really, really sinful, I would, in, I would put to you this morning that you're probably not spending enough time with the Lord. Because if you are, you, know, you find that your senses heighten. And I know that when I'm living in a state of walking regularly with God, the truth is, I just can't deal with some things that are just... I can't like, choose to go and put myself in a situation where I'm, I'm enjoying that kind of stuff. And eventually you get to the last position where essentially your spiritual vision blurs. You can no longer tell the difference between what is sin and what is not sin. All right? I think prayerlessness is one of the most significant issues that you and I face in our Christian life. If we do not pray, right, it is a serious issue. Not just because, you know, we're not going to be necessarily amazing ministers for the Lord, but because we are missing out on all that God has for us. And our lives are just an empty shell of what God really wants for us. So I want to ask you this morning, right before we move any further in prayer, any further in this message, what's your prayer life like? 
Would you be willing to let someone come and examine it? Because God wants to take us deeper this morning into prayer. God wants to take us deeper into relationship with him. And if we do not pray, we will find that our spiritual life is weak and our spiritual life is empty. So that's the first truth. The second truth is this, is that everyone can pray. Now that sounds very obvious, doesn't it? But I want to tell you a story about my friend Nikki. Right? My friend Nikki is over 70 years old. I, I don't know exactly how old, she's over 70. Uh, and one or two of you will know Nikki. Um, and she has had an extremely tough life. Right? She uh, was mistreated as a young child. She grew up in a world where she was rejected consistently. Um, you know, people have taken advantage of her right throughout her life. She married a man who had really pronounced autism. Um, and she then had three children who also had quite severe autism, and that was in a period where no one really even understood what autism was all about. Right? And she has, it was, you know, trying to deal with that and cope with that has been incredibly difficult. And if you uh, met Nikki, to be honest, um, you might think that she's a bit odd, right? right? You might think that she's an interestingly odd woman, right? And she's not necessarily the most uh, dynamic individual by any sense. And actually, to be honest, sometimes you sort of, um, you sort of think, oh, well, maybe I just, today I won't sort of speak to Nikki just in case, you know, like she's having a really bad week or something like that, right? But the thing is, I am convinced that Nikki is one of the most powerful people that I've ever met. Right, on the surface of it, on the face of it, right, I'm telling you, you would look at her and you would just walk right past her. You would ignore her. But I am convinced that she is one of the most powerful people I know because she is a woman that has understood and cultivated a life of intercession and prayer. You know, we have been seeing God do amazing things in Eltham over the last, really last 18 months. You know, people are getting saved on a regular basis. The church is really beginning to grow. We've opened a cafe. Amazing things are happening in Eltham. I want to tell you that people look at people like me and John and Daniel and other people and they say, oh, you guys must be doing a great job. I want to be honest with you. I'm convinced that that has been built on the work of people like Nikki and Esme and Margaret, and Jim, and Alan, some of you people will know who they are. They are the people that get up every single morning, and they seek the Lord, and they have built a life of prayer. And it's easy for me to stand here and take the glory, but I'm telling you, the work is done. And my heart for us as a church, right, is that God would raise up amongst us a praying group of seniors. Not allowed to call them old. Right? right? Men and women that know what it is to live a life of prayer. Because I am convinced that's what happens. And you see, the thing is, you don't have to, but what's amazing about prayer, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but prayer is one of the few activities that you require zero qualifications for, right? Now, I've been writing job descriptions this week, it's one of the things I've had to do, right? And in it, you have to write a prayer, a person specification, right? Prayer is one of those activities where education, having a degree or A-levels or GCSEs doesn't make a blind bit of difference, right? You can be the most unqualified or the most qualified, it makes absolutely no difference, Okay, you can be all of Simon's physical strength, right? His ability to wait. He sent me a picture this week of him doing weights under the stars, right? Okay, and he seemed to imply that that was a really wonderful experience. I said, I can, there's better things that I can be doing at 10 o'clock in the evening, to be honest, like going to bed, right? But <clears throat> having all kinds of physical strength, right, is no, it's no value to you in prayer. You can be the most infirmed person, you can be ill, you can be tired, you can be broken, but you can still be powerful in prayer. What about this, confidence and outgoingness? You may be the kind of person that lacks confidence. Like, oh, oh, oh. 
doesn't matter because when you're alone with God you can shout you can do all kinds of things it's you and him confidence is no barrier to you being effective in prayer right and neither is what your past has been like if you have had a happy past or difficult past it is irrelevant right prayer is an activity which can be done by anybody at any time and there is no special qualifications for being fantastic at it You've probably heard of the, the Hebrides Revival, haven't you? You heard of the Hebrides Revival? You know where I'm going to go if you've ever heard this story before. Right? It was started by two old ladies, right? sisters, Peggy and Christine. Right? Peggy was blind, Christine was so arthritic that she was bent double. But it was their prayers consistently for years on years, every night or, or twice a week, spending half the night in prayer, and God moved absolutely powerfully. Now you may not think to yourself, you may think to yourself, well I'm not, can't do much let me tell you you can pray anybody can pray that's the first that's the second truth the third truth is this you can learn to pray you can learn to pray now this might sound really obvious to you you can learn to pray what do I mean by that you I am not given to prayer all right that may that may surprise you it may not all right I am an extrovert right I like being with people I like talking I'm a fixer I like to make things happen I like to do things so the idea of sitting down on my own quietly for any period of time does not come naturally I have learned how to pray and you can learn how to pray I for a long time right thought that basically prayer was just really hard work and you just had to grit through it and really those people that had good discipline skills were likely to be better at it than others right I want to tell you that's not true you can learn to experience the joy of prayer and I want to say that to you in faith this morning that you can learn to experience the joy of prayer you may think I hate prayer prayer is so difficult you can learn I have learned I tell you John Watson in Eltham has really taught me so much about prayer and what it means to pray and you are in good company because Jesus' disciples it says here uh, did I put it on screen yeah Matthew, Luke 11 words now Jesus was praying and when he'd finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples Jesus disciples needed teaching John's disciples needed teaching you and I need to learn how to pray and it's okay to ask that and I, I read this quote and I thought this is really interesting it's a get into the habit of saying speak Lord and life will become a romance it's not a very uh, Oswald Chambers type quote that but it's a fascinating thought that if you can cultivate a habit and a life of prayer your life will be transformed so I'm, I'm just running through some, some basics this morning, but now we really start to get to it, don't we? Right, the fourth truth about prayer is this. Prayer is difficult. Let's not pretend it isn't, right? It is very difficult, all right? But you may think, well, why is prayer difficult? Why, why, is, why is prayer a challenge? Prayer is a challenge for these reasons. Mainly because prayer is an unnatural activity. Anybody that tells you that they love to pray right and that just that prayer is so easy to them has either is either not doing it right okay right or they're so far you know deep in the spirit and so mature in the Lord that they've gone past the point of forgetting how difficult it is to pray prayer is fundamentally an unnatural activity well what do I mean by that well prayer in its essence right is the submission of your will of your body and your heart to the Lord 
That's, that's in essence what prayer is. Prayer is saying, God, I submit my will, my heart, my body, my life to you. Now, everything in you, everything in your natural self, will go in completely opposite direction to that. Everything, whether you call it carnal man, flesh, whatever you want to say, everything in you fights and battles against coming under submission to God. Which is why the moment that you say to yourself, right, I think I should get down and pray, that thought immediately about all the work you've got to do, or the fact that dishes aren't done, or the fact that possibly, you know, maybe I should be, you know, the kids, oh, someone's just made a noise, what's happened there? Or maybe I should just check, the, 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 you know, the cricket score. It's terrible, by the way, that England playing in Australia. It's always such a challenge for any of us that are cricket fans to get up in the morning and pray. Right, it's not a problem for Simon, because he doesn't like cricket, okay? Right, but you try praying, and like, Lord, would you, would you let them not get another wicket, Lord? So just, you know... But prayer essentially, right, okay, is, uh, and these are, it, it, what stops you is your own human nature. It will fight against you at every possible opportunity. And to make it worse, right, the other thing is, the other major prayer preventer is the enemy, the devil, who will do absolutely everything in his power. He will make sure there's a phone call, right, just to that point where you want to sit down and pray, right, or, you know, you, you, I don't, this has happened to me many times as you sit down and think, I'll just check my email before I pray. And someone's just sent you a really horrible email and it just winds you right up. And you're thinking, why did I have to get that email right now when I was about to sit down to pray? Now I feel like I've got to respond to that email or I've just got wound up about that email. The devil will do everything he can to stop you praying. All right? So then I've got, I don't know if it's going to, yeah. The devil smiles when we are up to our ears in work, but he trembles when we pray. Corrie Ten Boone, who was a woman of great prayer. The devil smiles when we're up to our ears in work, but he trembles when we pray. We need to realise that the truth about prayer is prayer is always going to be a challenge until we grow in it. Until we grow in it. Because everything in us doesn't want to pray. Everything the, the enemy just wants to stop you praying as much as he possibly can. And so this is where... Oh, it's going to make me go through it again. This is where discipline becomes important. Now... <coughs> I'm not, my, Pete and I are very different, right? Pete and I are very different. We're brothers, we have the same mother and the same father, right? But we are very different individuals, right? I am much more carefree, right? Okay, and I like to vary my routine and mix things up a little bit. Pete loves routine, just loves it, right? Okay, I'm sure he wakes up at, you know, I don't know what, probably he gets up at four to pray. Um, but he probably, at 3.59, he's probably already awake waiting for the alarm to go so he can start his routine, you know? <coughs> Right, whereas I just, I, all I want to do is just be like, well, today I want to get up at, at nine and tomorrow I just want to get up at, at six and just, you know, whatever it feels like. That's my natural inclination. And I have discovered that discipline is necessary to winning that battle on a day-to-day -day basis, right? If you do not have discipline, you will not be able to win the battle on a day-to-day -day basis of prayer. But this is the key. Discipline won't help you pray really. Discipline really won't help you pray. Someone explained it to me like this once, right? And I, it made a lot of sense to me, right? Imagine that your prayer life is a bit like a train, right? A bit like a train. The discipline is like the tracks. It gets you getting in the right direction. It keeps you on track. But the truth is, is that fuel for, that, for, for prayer comes from the Lord. 
It comes from faith in God. And if you haven't got a desire and a love for the Lord, then just having a great discipline will not necessarily take you anywhere. And that is often the problem with so many people. They think, if I get disciplined, if I can just get into a good routine, then I'll become good at prayer. And the truth is, and this is one of the truths about prayer, and this is where we're going to move on to, right, where I really want us to get to this morning is this, is that if, you, if all you're doing is trying to discipline yourself to prayer, you will just get frustrated, irritated, and annoyed. Or you'll become very religious. Either one is a bad thing. So what then is the key to developing a great prayer life? Oh look, it's ruined my nice little graphic there that I made with the, uh, the conversion. But look, I anyone know this hymn? Ruth might know this hymn. Yeah, it's an old one, right? Okay, it's an old hymn and it goes, My goal is God himself, not joy, nor peace, nor even blessing, but himself, my God. It is his to lead me there, not mine, but his, at any cost, dear Lord, by any road. My goal is God himself. The real truth about prayer and the utter fundamental truth, if I want you to take away one thing this morning, it's this is that the purpose and the aim of prayer is to get to God, right? Is to get to God himself, right? When we really discover that, it, will apt- it's, it is the thing that has revolutionised my prayer life, right? I'll be honest, I went through many years, really up until about four or five years ago, when I found prayer a terrible bore, right? And I was disciplined enough to kind of be okay at it, right? Okay, I could manage it, you know, a bit. And there'd be periods when I'd really struggle to pray, right? I have found that this truth has transformed the way that I see prayer and my whole prayer life, right? So I want to just kind of unpack this a little bit for you, right? By looking at really what some false truths, some false truths about the primary purpose of prayer is, the primary purpose. The first is this, right? That, that really prayer is about becoming a better Christian. When I was really young, okay, and I'm sure that, you know, Simon was like this too, right? But somehow I equated the number of hours that I did to prayer to being the most spiritual, right? If you were really spiritual, you were doing like an hour a day, which is seven hours a week, right? Okay, and then maybe you could cash in a bit more. I'm sure Simon probably even had a spreadsheet, right? Okay, right, just to measure how much prayer. I used to think that that was what it was about when I was young. If I did lots of prayer, that would make me more spiritual. Right? That's silly, right? I don't think there's probably many people that believe that anymore. I'm sure you didn't have a spreadsheet. Um, <coughs> but, <laughs> but I tell you what, I did think that if I prayed more, that somehow, I don't know, that my Christian life would be better. And so really, therefore, the whole purpose about praying was somehow to develop a more holy, better Christian life. That is not the primary purpose for prayer. You may think, that's, that's crazy, Tim. Why, why are you saying that? That seems like a very stupid statement. It seems to contradict everything you've just said. Because when things don't go right in your life, or you make, you, you, you make a mistake, you will do this. You will either get frustrated and say, well, I haven't prayed enough, and so you feel guilty about not praying enough, and so therefore you try and make your life better by praying even more, or you get totally fed up and you say, well, prayer hasn't helped me at all, I'm still falling into sin, I'm still making mistakes, so therefore, basically, what's the point? It doesn't make any difference. Because prayer will help you grow in God, but it's not the magic answer that somehow means you're going to walk around perfectly forever. If your primary purpose for praying is just because you want to try and be a better Christian, right, you will find yourself disappointed, frustrated, and not praying. Right? 
Here's the next truth, right? And this is one of the ones that you may find difficult to get your head around. Right? I did at first, right? That prayer, the primary purpose of prayer is to change circumstances and situations. We want to see God move in our area. We want to see people get healed. We want to, we've got problems in our family. We've got someone that's sick. What we need to do is we need to get down and really pray. Sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds very sensible. That's the primary reason to pray, is to get down and see God change things. The problem is, again, what happens when God doesn't change it at the speed that we would like? What happens when we've been praying for years for our brother to come to know the Lord and he's not, he's not yet there? Do we give up? Do we get frustrated? Do we stamp our feet at God and say, God, you haven't answered my prayer. I'm not going to bother praying anymore. Or our prayer becomes very dutiful and we feel like we've just got to keep praying and listing these things and it, becomes, it all becomes very exhausting and very tiring and very draining. If your primary purpose of prayer is to get God to change things, then you've missed the point of prayer. And I want to finish this one. And this is more of a modern thing, I think. It's come about recently. that The purpose of prayer is to experience the presence of God. Mm. Right? Just going to, you know, I'm going to get some music. I'm just going to soak in that music and just really just, you know, just get the sense of the Spirit coming over me. Again, the problem with experience, chasing experience, is you're not always getting God. You're getting an experience. And sometimes God wants to take you through a period where you're praying every day and you're thinking, this is really hard work. I really feel like God is not there. But God is on the other side of that valley. And if you're just waiting for the experience all the time, you'll never get through the valley to the position where God really wants you. And you might, these, I'm probably preaching to a group of very mature Christians that really have understood all these truths. But I'll be honest, I'm a dummy, right? And it's only been the last few years that I've really got my head around this. Right? And it has absolutely changed my prayer life. Because I've realised that God's purpose and plan is not for me to just pray to intercede or pray that my, I'll, be, you know, I'll be a bit more holy or I'll have a bit more power in the ministry. My goal in prayer every morning when I get up to seek him is, Lord, I want you. I want to know you. I want to find you. I want to be found in you. And this is ultimately the real truth about prayer, is that prayer is learning to abide. That is the heart of prayer. That is where God wants to bring you, is to a position of abiding. And I want us to read this uh, scripture together. Uh, you, when I say together, I don't mean together. I'll read it and you can just listen. Yeah? <clears throat> uh, John 15, 7 to 11, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you ask, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What a statement. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. That's a promise that Jesus gave. Right? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. God wants to bring us into a place of abiding. Because, I'm going to go through this in a minute, but uh, Oswald Chambers says is that when a man learns to abide in the will of God, he is the will of God. You haven't got to try and work out, you know, you know is this the right thing? 
Because when you are abiding in God, when you've reached this position of being at one with the Lord, when you pray, you're not praying your will. It might be what you wish, but that's because your heart and your soul and your mind have become so aligned with God that you are basically praying his heart. You are praying his will because you have become so intertwined with him. And that's what the purpose of prayer is. It's to bring you into that place where when you speak, you're speaking from the heart of God. When you are able to pray for someone, you're praying from that position of of moving from exactly what God wants. And your will is no longer your own will, it's his will. Do, Do you understand? And that is the purpose of prayer. That is what God is trying to bring you to. And so this is, the, this is a diagram here, right, of, uh, of how I, my brain is very like this. I know it's been quite teachy this morning, right, but this is how my brain thinks, right? Is my model of prayer used to be like this, that my job was to bring prayers and intercession to God, right? Lord, I want to pray for Ruth. She really needs deliverance, yeah? All right, okay? All right, I want to really just see you just move in her life. She really badly needs it, Lord. Um, <clears throat> Or I'd be coming, Lord, would you make me more holy? I need to be more holy, Lord. Would I, you know, really, I, I just, I get so irritated at Simon. He's just so annoying. I need to have more grace, Lord, yeah? All right, and I'm bringing my, my, my prayers. Or I'm, I'm praying for power. Lord, would you help me preach this morning and not be boring like Pat, right? Okay, right? Um, and, and what happens is if this is your model is you get into this fervor and striving. How many of us have been in prayer meetings where there's been lots of fervor and striving, right? Okay, and I've heard people do it, and they feel like somehow they've got to like basically take a baseball bat to the Lord, you know, and just like kind of, and they're going away, Lord, would you do it? Would you do it, Lord? Would you do it? And you see, they don't understand that when you come to that position of the heart of God, when you're at one with God, you will pray as he wants to pray. And he he doesn't, you don't need to shout for God to hear you. God just hears you. You see, but if you're trying to get God to make change and bring about action, you're going to constantly find prayer a challenge, a frustration, and a tire. A tiresome bore. Right? And so this is what we need to move to. This is how we need to move to this. It comes, first of all, to seeking God, to come into his presence, to know him, to be aligned with him, to allow our hearts to be shaped by him. And then what happens out of that flows everything else. See, I don't know if you've ever been like that. When you really find yourself in the place, and I, I, I remember I've been, this happens quite often, I'll, I'll be praying, and particularly if I'm praying about my family, you know, like I can try praying for my family beforehand, right, uh, before I've really come into that place of being at one with the Lord. And I'm just, I'm reeling stuff off, you know. I'm just re- ticking off the list, ticking off the list. When I really have found, spent some time coming into the presence of the Lord, and then I start to pray for my family, I, I pray in a whole different way. And I know that I'm praying in a power that's not coming from my own human idea, but from the Lord's heart himself. Intercession flows from God once you've reached that position of being in his heart. Holiness flows from that position. How can you be in the presence of God and not come away changed? When you've spent time and allowed God to come and, and just minister to you, you will find that holiness flows out, as will power. You will just find that stuff that you're doing starts to have an impact. And what happens at this point, instead of fervour and striving, you get passion and brokenness. You get a sense of the urgency of God, right? Because you're sensing the heart of the Lord. It's not like, oh, I've got to make it happen. It's, Lord, I know this is your heart. And it's, Lord, will you just, I just feel broken for this situation. 
And sometimes you're not even saying any words, but your heart is just broken and you find yourself crying. Anyone found themselves just, just weeping over a situation? You're not even saying anything. But the Lord has broken your heart over it. That is prayer. That's deep prayer. That's prayer that changes stuff. That's not just striving words. And of course that leads to action and change. And so all of these outcomes, intercession, come after we seek God himself. And I love this verse, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you understand what I've been trying to get to this morning? This position of putting God and spending time with him and seeking him. And so I just want to finish this morning um, by just quickly outlining for you how I go about doing it, right? This is my way, right? This is not the way, all right? This is my way, but I thought it'd be helpful to understand how I approach prayer, right? You will probably approach it differently, but maybe you could learn something from the way that I do it and adapt it or apply it to yourself. And I, I want to structure it in this idea of the temple, right? You know the Old Testament temple. Uh, and the temple had an outer court, right? And this is the outer court here. Right now, in the outer court, all right, uh, it was where do you remember where Jesus turned over the tables uh, and got very angry, and that was where all the money changers were. There was lots of noise. There was lots of selling, you know, marketplace that kind of stuff happening in that zone. And I don't know about you, but that's what my mind is like and my heart is like when I come to pray every single day, right? And and these so. What I have is a chaotic mind. I have many thoughts, many distractions, all right, uh, and many diversions. I, I try and sit down. I don't know if you have this experience. Maybe it's just me. All right, I sit down, and my head's going like this, right? Okay? Uh, it just, and it, 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 you know, it's 6.15 in the morning, and my head's like this, right? All right, already. And, and do you know what I do? And, and so this is what I do. I see this as the preparation stage. It's the preparation stage. Do you know I just sit still. I don't even bother trying to pray. Right? All I do is just let, over time, the clamour of my mind and my heart subside. And I can be sat there, right, okay, for 10 minutes, 5 minutes, or an hour, depending on how wound up I am. Right? Okay? And it just takes time for that kind of just stillness, that gentle, slowly those things just kind of go away, I've, you know, just, just sort of drops off, and I find myself beginning to kind of come to a place where I feel like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm now almost ready to start praying. And so what used to happen in this stage, so then you go to the inner court, and now what you can see here is this is the area where all the sacrifices were made, right? All the sacrifices, so people would bring their, their animals and they would, there's the abattoir there and there would be sacrifice on the altar. And this is where I start actively, I will come and I will just think about this, confession and commitment. Right, Lord, I am sorry for the sins I've done. I'm sorry for the fact that, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, have not necessarily lived exactly the way you would have wanted it. I confess my need of you. I confess that today I need you as much as I've ever needed you. And I'm just as sinful in my natural self as I've ever been. Right? And I recommit my life. Lord, would you come and would you just, would you take my life again and would you use it for your glory? Would you bring me into that place of your presence? That's what I'm doing at this point. And I'm beginning to push through into God. I'm beginning to actively push my heart and my mind down that road. Yeah? All right? Because I've reached the point where I'm not, you know, it's calmed a little bit and I'm beginning to say, right, okay. And then we enter, and it's interesting, you go up steps. Each time you'd go up steps, uh, and you go up steps until eventually you come into this, the holy place. Now, the holy place is where they used to really do the real worship of God. There was incense 
there was a candle burning, there was the showbread. Uh, and this is the point where I move into a place of worship. And in my heart, I'm just worshipping the Lord, I'm praising him, I'm thanking him. And what comes over me is a sense of joy, of worship, of wonder. And you're in that position of worship. But that's not the place that God really wants to get us to. The place that God really wants to get us to is the place of the Holy of Holies. And do you know what was in the Holy of Holies? Anyone know? Nothing. Right? It's empty. Because that's where God is. And that's the position where I really get to, where I find that I come to a place of peace and stillness before God. Right? And then I, I find that I, I'm listening and I've come to that place of communing with the Lord. And this is the place that God wants to bring you to. You know, and so many people, they try to get into that place of stillness and they're still down here. There's still everything else going on. Their mind's going on. It's like you try being still, right, and peaceful and really listening to the Lord when everything's flying about in your brain. It's just not going to happen. You have to work, for me anyway, I have to work my way through. And this can take, to be honest, and this is the, the, the great difficulty, is this can take some time, <laughs> yeah? Right? But equally, it can only take uh, half an hour. And then I find that once I'm in that place with the Lord, I just find the sense of the Lord speaking to me. I find that out of that, that's where my intercession flows, where I start praying for my family, or I start praying for the church, or I start praying for situations. It's where I really sense God speaks to me about things in my own life that are not right. Yeah? I, and it just, to me, that's, where, that's, the, that's the process that I go through. Right? Now, your process may be completely different, but the objective is to get to the Holy of Holies. The objective is to get to God himself. So, as I finish this morning, I, I read this quote and I found it incredibly challenging. A minister that fills his pews, his communion role, the mouth of his public, but what that minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, that he is and no more. As I join you as a, as a leader, this is my challenge. The church may grow, things may get better or may get worse, you know, all right, but... <coughs> But it doesn't matter. I need to realise that the challenge that God has given me is I am what I am before God alone. And are you that? Is that where you're at? What's your inner life like? Oswald Chambers says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Let's just close here and just, just pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this truth about prayer. And I want to thank you that your heart and your, your, your urgency for us as a people is to draw us into that place of prayer. Lord, but it isn't just about doing rituals or trying to get more disciplined. It's about realising that it's about finding you. About finding you and all that you are. Lord, I want to pray, Lord, I haven't been particularly practical this morning. Lord, I haven't been, uh, Lord, there's so much that could have been said, Lord, about how to go about doing this. But Lord, I've tried to communicate, Lord, the heart that you've given me for prayer, which is that, Lord, you want to show us yourself. Lord, and I pray that as we go forward over these next few years, that we would develop as a church individually, Lord, and collectively that hunger and that desire to have you above everything else when we come to pray. Lord, that our hearts will be seeking after you to come into that place of stillness and silence before you. Lord, allowing everything to flow from you. Lord, not us coming and bringing all of our petitions and our ideas and our thoughts to you and our requests, but allowing you to bring us into that place of abiding and out of that flow everything else. 
Lord, you love us so much. And I love the fact that you are, your heart and your desire is to bring us into this. Lord, we just have to be obedient and follow as best we're able. Lord, I pray that as we go through this Christmas period, Lord, that as a, as a church, as individuals, we would find our prayer life growing. Lord, not diminishing. Lord, through all the busyness, we would find that we want to spend time with you. Lord, that there's something in our heart that says, I want to be alone with Jesus. Lord, I love you. And I just thank you for this opportunity to minister your love and to minister your heart, Lord, to bring people into all that you are. In your name we pray. Amen.